please come back in if you've had your cup of tea and you've said hi to a few people. Yeah, Lord, we want to rest in who you are. We want to rest in who you say we are. Come and have your way. Amen. Thank you, team. Good morning. Well, good afternoon, actually. Um, my name is Edgar King. I am the lead pastor, and it's an honor to be sharing this Sunday with you. Um, if this is your first time here, Karibu Sana. Uh, for those who had traveled and are back, Karibu Nisana. So as the year begins, you know, uh, there's a freshness and a looking forward to good things. It's Hopefully, right? There's, there's always a looking forward to good things. And, and even as all that is happening, people are making, are making New Year's resolutions. Uh, uh, there's a hope that is born in so many people. But as all that happens, there's always this awareness that, that for new things to begin, something has just ended. So another year has just ended, and sadly, some of us finish the year with regrets, right? And it's from big ones to, from small ones to big ones. You promised yourself you'd read 30 books, and you couldn't do it. Uh, they, there was a meme uh, that quite described Stacy. You know, you, 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 you started the year saying, I'll buy a new phone. You finished the year saying, I'll buy a new phone case, Right? And, you know, some of that small. She did buy a new phone case. But some of that are that small, but others have uh, other decisions you made during the year had life-changing uh, uh, impacts. And sadly, some of us finished the year with regret. So, some of you finished the year saying things like, what was I thinking? Or, I was such a fool, you know? Now, we want to get ahead of that as the year begins. We want, to, we want to empower ourselves to make better decisions. Before we go too far into the year and you have to make some really big decisions, or as you make decisions that you're being faced with right now, we want to get ahead of that so that when the year comes to an end and you say, I have grown wiser, it'll be because, it, it won't be because you, re, you, you have regrets, but rather you made choices that made you better. We're talking about making uh, better choices make us better. So that's what, that's what we're about. We want us to grow wiser, not out of regret, but actually out of making decisions in a better way. Now, wise people, there's something about wise people. Wise people know that tomorrow is connected to today. Wise people know that the end of the year is connected to how you start the year. It doesn't just happen. The book of Proverbs divides people into four, as I said last week. The simple, the fool, uh, the scoffer, and then the wise person. The simple is unwise just because he has no experience. It's like a 12-year-old uh, being told by the parent, you probably shouldn't date that person. 
they, they have no experience. They don't know what. They just think you're, you're a killjoy, right? So wise people just lack experience. And until they get burned, they are never wiser. Then there's the fool. The fool knows what is right, but they ignore it anyway. The fool uses words like you only li- phrases like you only live once. The fool uses phrases like who cares. The fool uses phrases like ah, no one has to know. The fool knows what is right, but they don't care. And um, uh, the problem with the fool is that they always cause harm to people around them. Be careful when you're around people who know what is right and they ignore it. When things go down, you will be a, um, what's that word? When, uh, collateral, thank you. Oh, who is that? That's awesome. Yes. Thank you. There's another preacher in the house. Then there is a scoffer. The scoffer has no regard for God and others. One of the phrases they use is, oh, stop, stop behaving so holy. Oh, so you think God will do this? For, come on, don't, don't pretend to be better than us. The scoffer uses words like, God doesn't exist. The scoffer has no regard for God and no regard for others. Then there's a the wise person who we are hoping we can become. We can grow in wisdom. The wise person knows uh, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The wise person knows that tomorrow is connected today, and, and they live aware of each of their choices. The wise person knows that they will be held accountable at the end of all this. The wise person knows that their choices, even private ones, have public ramifications. Even private choices have public ramifications. The wise person knows that even their regrets don't hurt them alone. They hurt, uh, they hurt all the people connected to them. So, the wise person inevitably learns uh, uh, to teach themselves a, f- a couple of things. Slow down before making decisions. Surround yourselves with people of good counsel. People who love God and love you. Not everyone deserves a table uh, 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 where you're sharing your story and asking for counsel, but it is so sad if there's no one at that table. Not everyone deserves to be asked for counsel from you, but it is so sad if there's no one you're asking for counsel from. And lastly, wise people learn to ask themselves very good questions because good questions lead us to good decisions. So last week, I invited us to ask ourselves one question. Am I being honest with myself really? Are you telling yourself the truth? Why? Our hearts are deceitful above all things. Today, I want, to, I want to invite us to ask a very different question, a question that will lead us to live lives worth, uh, uh, to, to, to live out a story worth telling. At the end of this year, at the end of a decade, will your story be one worth telling? Let's pray. Jesus, you're the king of, you're the king of heaven, you're the king of earth, you're the king of our hearts. And you are God's wisdom. And we ask you now that through your spirit, you, only do, you do in us what only you can do. Lord, speak to us as a community. Speak to us individually. Amen.
just before I go on, so, uh, or maybe I'll write it down here. Yeah, let me just write something down here. I don't want to forget at the end. Okay. So, uh, my darling mom was here a, a couple of uh, months ago. I think maybe in June, July, I'm not too sure. Um, and she was excited to tell me about her license. Uh, she, she just got a license to work as a nursing assistant. She was so excited. She started telling me about her education history, which made me go, uh, of course, it then touches on when she was younger, which made me go, okay, tell me stories of when you were younger. And, you know, she, she went to... She went to school here in Nakuru, Nakuru Day Secondary. We are Nakuru people through and through. And, um, and then how she met dad and, and uh, her journey of uh, uh, getting us even to where we are. Uh, we've lost a few siblings. I didn't even know that. that it, uh, I kind of had an idea, but it's different hearing your mom say that uh, she lost a few pregnancies and what that did to us her and through all this through all this journey as she's telling me her life story uh, she she's also mentioning decisions she made that actually got her to where she is as she's telling me her story it, it, it is apparent that 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 who she is today is a byproduct of every decision she's made we write our stories one decision at a time and one day, that will either be a, a story worth telling, or it'll be a story where we want to skip a few things, we want to erase this bit, or we just want to go, yeah, then that happened. You know, it'll either be a story worth telling or a story that we want to skip over. Our lives are an unfolding story. The end of this year is an unfolding story. The end of uh, this decade is an unfolding story, and you are writing it one decision at a time. I want to invite you to do a mental activity with me, okay? So please, please, uh, humor me and close your eyes for a moment. I want you to picture the timeline of your life, maybe for the past five years. Can you see significant things that have happened? Can you see how your life story was unfolding? Because now you can see it as a story. It's to, uh, you know, because you have hindsight. Can you see how one thing led to another? If you got married, can you see how one thing led to another? If a relationship ended, can you see how one thing led to another? If a job ended, can you see how one thing led to another? Are there parts of that story you would love to skip over? You don't have to nod, just, just, it's a mental exercise. I might ask you later, which part? Are there parts of your story you want to skip over, or you want to explain, or you wish you'd never tell? Are there parts of that story, as you see your timeline, that you, you wish turned out differently if you had made different decisions? Okay, welcome back. I bet at the moment, if there's a particular instant that came to mind, I bet at the moment, as things were unraveling, at the very moment of your life, of that thing happening in your life, you did not see your life as a story. You were thinking of that very moment. 
The challenge, we have one big challenge. We struggle to see our lives as an unfolding story. We are better seeing things right now. We are short-sighted. You know, we're better at seeing things in the immediate. We, we have so much trouble seeing the ultimate. When you're in the middle of something, it feels like the only thing that matters. You know, when you're trying to live out your singlehood, it feels like this would never end. Uh, someone I really uh, 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 appreciate his teaching calls it the gift no one wants. You know, when you're going through a messy divorce or a breakup, it's like this is the only thing that is consuming you. When you're planning a wedding, it's like, oh my word, after this, the world might just end. When, when, you're, when you're in a job you don't enjoy, working for a boss who doesn't like you, it feels like that situation might never change. When you're fighting at home, it's like this is the fight that you must win. We have trouble seeing the ultimate. And it is easy in these situations to feel consumed by the emotional pressure, right? I want to feel good right now. I deserve it. I want to win one fight, just one fight, and this is the one. I want a relationship right now. If she walks away, I will be alone for the rest of my life. If I don't say yes, he will leave me and for someone else. It, when you're in the moment, it feels like nothing else matters. The decision has to be made right now. We have a hard time remembering that, the, that no situation is permanent. We have a hard time reminding ourselves that this too shall pass. This too shall pass. With our short-sightedness, we end up making decisions that seem good right now, but, but they're not good for the ultimate. They seem good for this situation, but they're not good for the story we're writing. You end up feeling good at the moment, but with a story you don't want to tell. You end up winning the fight, but later on, you want to skip that part of the story as you tell it. You end up with a relationship, but later on, you want to explain that decision just to give it some context. Let me explain what I was going through when I made this decision. It's not a story you're so proud of telling. Part of the challenge is we have this beautiful messengers called emotions. Emotions are a gift from God. Uh, and, and, um, but the problem is that emotions color our decision making. Both positive and negative emotions. It's pointless even to call them good or bad. They're just positive or negative. All emotions have a way of coloring our decisions. Wise people know that emotionally heightened states are not the best times to make big decisions, to make any decision. Think about it. When you left that room and the emotions died down, what did you realize? You didn't have to buy it. You didn't have to date it. You didn't have to sleep with it. You didn't have to say yes. You didn't have to answer back. When finally your emotions were calm, you're like, oh, actually, I didn't have to. That's a problem. Emotional, emotionally heightened situations uh, create a pressure, and we feel like it's either now or never. And then when we leave that place, we regain clarity. It happens to all of us. It happens to me. So, 
The problem with those uh, situations that you are unable to see clearly which of the options presented to you do you want to be part of your story? Because that's the real question. One day, that moment, one day, the moment you'll experience tomorrow, one day, the moment you experienced last week will just be a story in, in, in a chapter of your life. Which of the options presented to you do you want to be part of your story? So today we'll look on the story of a different character. We, you know, we call these characters in the Bible heroes and heroines. And the thing is, essentially we are saying they lived, they lived their lives as stories worth telling. I mean, most of the time. Right? The, the, the beauty of the Bible is, is its honesty. Some of these people made terrible mistakes, uh, just as you and I will. However, we, we call them heroes because they live their lives as a story worth telling most of the times. And so there's this young teenager who was his dad's favorite. I know I am my dad's favorite. If you ever learn otherwise, don't tell me. Um, also, I'm realizing that as people age, the, the, the favorite child becomes the child who's taking care of them. So maybe I'm no longer my dad's favorite. I don't know. But let's just go with that narrative. Um, but Joseph, Joseph had 10 brothers uh, who didn't like him because he was daddy's favorite boy. And, um, you know, sometimes, uh, yeah, I was just looking out for, for, for kids that I know are, are several in the family. Parents often have favorites, right? Right? No parent will. <laughs> anyway, so Joseph was daddy's favorite, and, but also he had another problem. He just didn't know how to shut up, right? He would have dreams that, that God had lifted him above his status and his brothers and his father and mothers, because uh, uh, there were two couple of wives in the family. Um, they would all come and bow to him as if he were a king. That's, he just didn't know when to shut up. So his brothers really, really hated him. And he didn't make the situation any easier. Now, the brothers obviously got jealous. It's not enough that your father loves you more than us. You've got to keep telling us this thing that was actually against the culture. Younger uh, elders never bowed to the, to, to, the, to the young ones. So he was like, what is wrong with you? Who do you think you are? And um, so one time uh, they, they, they were out in the field and he's sent by the father to them and they, uh, and, and they see him from afar. And in a moment of passion, they're angry, they're jealous. The son had probably been, been, been hitting them so long and he's a reminder of everything that does, is not working out for them. Then they decide, you know what, why don't we actually kill our brother? Really? You might not like your brother, but that's a, that's a huge jump, right? From, I don't like you to, I think I'll kill you. Like, that's a huge jump. And then they change their mind and they decide to tell him, but think about it. One day, these ten brothers will be talking to their children. And they will have to tell their story, the story of their lives. Is this a part they will be proud to tell? So we saw our younger brother, and we thought it would be nice to kill him. That's a story, that's a part of their story that they were probably not proud to tell. But anyway, so, so they, they sold their brother, and, and, and um, 
They thought that was a better decision. But, but do you realize they were, ma- they were writing the, the stories of their lives one decision at a time? And you can tell that this isn't a story they were proud uh, to, to have as part of their story because when they went back home, they lied to their father. Like, by the way, your favorite son murdered. Kwisha Kabisa. This, this wild animal came, ate him up. Why are they lying? Because that decision they're not very proud of. Otherwise, they should have just gone and told their dad, we've solved our problems. Maybe we've created new ones for you, but we've solved ours. They're not proud of the decision they've made, and now it's a permanent mark on their story. They have sold the ultimate for the immediate. Anyway, the now 17-year-old Joseph ends up in Egypt as a slave to a really powerful politician. Uh, and he does such a great job, he ends up being trusted uh, with, to be in charge of, the, of his, his master's entire household. And um, uh, you can imagine that. Like, what, what happens in someone in this situation that he continues to be faithful to a point that even the oppressors can tell that there's something on this kid? But anyway, so he, he's trusted above his master's everything, and then his master's wife, his master's name was Potiphar, becomes very attracted to this young man called Joseph, and uh, maybe Potiphar traveled a lot. Maybe he was a terrible husband. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And, but seriously, is this the story Potiphar's wife wants to tell? She could come up with any excuse. Because she starts seducing this young 17-year-old. She could come up with any excuse. She could come up with, with any explanation for why she asked what she did. But really, is this the story that she wants? As, uh, is this the decision she wants as part of her story? So regardless of, of the situation, uh, 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 there's no explaining away the decisions she made. Does she really want to sit with other respectable women of her country and say, oh yeah, I I slept with my slave? Is this the story she wants to tell? But you see, in that moment, she probably isn't thinking of her life as a story. She probably isn't thinking of the ultimate. She's thinking of right now, her needs right now, right there. In fact, we know that this is the case because... When Joseph refused her advances, she uh, uh, accused Joseph falsely of sex, uh, attempted sexual assault. Why couldn't she stick with the story? Because it's not a story she's proud to tell. That's why she changed the story. Now, let's take, take a moment and look at Joseph himself. He's a young man, and he walks this story differently. Obviously, uh, 17-year-old, of course his hormones are are all over the place. He's a slave. How much choice does he have in the matter? This could be one of those moments where he tells himself, you know, I could use this to my advantage and get ahead. This could be one of those moments he says, no one really has to know. This could be one of those moments he tells himself, you know what, if I refuse this, my life could be in danger. I might as well. This could be one of those moments he could justify his decisions in any way. 
But is this the story he wants to tell? Despite all the emotional pressure, is this the story Joseph wants to tell? Let's cu uh, catch up on that story in Genesis 39, 8 to 10. Uh, now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, My master does not concern himself with anything in this house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she, sp and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with him. Okay. So I'm going to fast forward into the story. So this is what Joseph tells this lady. This decision gets him into trouble because he refuses, refuses, and then he's accused, he's falsely accused of attempted sexual assault. Joseph ends up in prison, and he stays in prison for years, for years. While honesty is the best policy, it's not usually the fastest, right? You would think. It's like, oh, God in heaven must see what decision jo uh, Joseph has made and make things happen. While honesty is the best policy, it's not usually the fastest. While honesty is the best policy, it's not always immediately rewarding. You might lose your job. You might uh, lose a friend or a relationship even. You might be single a bit longer. You might, you might, you might uh, lose respect in your, in your family or amongst your colleagues. It doesn't necessarily mean it'll work as fast as you want it to. But in prison, he meets two people and he interprets dreams for them. And, 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 and you know, he, he, he seems to have a gift with dreams. And uh, one of them serves the Pharaoh. And again, a couple of years pass. Like, has God forgotten, forgotten this guy? A couple of years go by. And then finally... The king has a dream, and Joseph is sent for because uh, the guy who works for the king remembers Joseph in prison, and, and Joseph ends up being elevated to the second in command. The most powerful man in the world at that time said to him, you are going to be uh, in control of anything. I give you full charge except for my throne. It's like he was the most powerful person. And so now his childhood dreams are coming true. He's now elevated to the point of a king except for a throne. His family actually comes and bows before him, all of them, his entire family. But now that he is here, he can look back and say, I have lived a story worth telling. Now that he got there, we can look back and say, that was a story worth telling. But how? 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 How could a 17-year-old under immense uh, emotional pressure make a decision that made him better and his story worth telling? One, I think, uh, uh, just a couple of things. One, he rehearsed his story out loud. He rehearsed his story out loud. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in, the, in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you're his wife. He's rehearsing his story out loud. 
He's reminding himself where God has brought him to, where God has brought him from. Then he asked himself what story he wants to tell of his life. He asked himself of the options presented before him, which did he want as a permanent uh, mark of his story? So this is how Joseph does it. He says, how then could I do such a thing, such a wicked thing, and sin against God? He's going, this is not the option I want as a permanent mark in my story. Three, and most importantly, he reminds himself that the fear of God that is the beginning of wisdom. That ultimately, our lives are to honor God and not just to bring pleasure to ourselves. So, what's today's big idea? You're writing the story of your life one decision at a time. You're writing the story of your life tomorrow's decision followed by the next day's decision. You're writing a story of of this year one decision at a time. Ask yourself, is this the story you want to tell? Ask yourself, of all the options before you, which one do you want as a permanent record in your life? Okay. So, how do we make decisions that would make us better this year? One, pull back and pause. Any emotionally charged situation is not the best for decisions. Even if it is a really good decision. He might be the one. It might still be the right response. It might still be a great purchase. But pull back and pause. Because any emotionally charged situations cloud our judgment. Then two, from last week, be honest with yourself. Why do you really want it? Why are you really with him? Why are you really buying it? Why are you really quitting? Why are you really moving out? Just be honest with yourself. As we said last week, you owe it to yourself to be honest with yourself. Even if you don't, now I would encourage that you actually act on the answers to your questions, but even if you don't act on them, be honest with yourself. Forget the narrative you've told your church. Forget the narrative you've told your family. Forget the narrative you've told your community group. Are you being honest with yourself, really? Then three, which is today's big question. Ask yourself, which option is better for the story of your life? What story do you, uh, do you want to tell? Which options line up with that story you want to tell? Do not trade the ultimate for the immediate. But sometimes we are in emotionally charged situations, right? It's like you, it, it feels like you don't have time to pull back and, 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 and pause. So sometimes it's happening right now. The deadline is there. Uh, uh, hormones are heated up. Emotions are flaring. It feels like I, I've got to make a decision right now. I have to respond. I have to decide. In those situations, here's my encouragement. Rehearse your story out loud. Have you noticed that sometimes you're in a situation, you're about to make a decision, and, and maybe even a worship song comes on, 
and it reminds you who you are, and you decide, I really don't want to listen to that right now. Why? When you rehearse your story out loud, it wakes you up. Have you noticed that sometimes it's a heated situation, and you say out loud who you are, and that person just flares away and walks away? Because now you've, you've woken up and you've reminded yourself the story you want to live. In those heated situations, ask, uh, rehearse your story out loud. It'll wake you up. I, have, I am getting better and better at asking very, especially three big questions. What does this mean for my integrity? What does this mean for my integrity? And every time I say that out loud, it wakes me up. My, uh, my appetites just go silent. How do I tell this story to so-and-so? There are people I've committed my life to and I told them, hey, I will always tell you this when it happens. So sometimes I'm in these situations and I, oh my word, how do I tell George about this? How, 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 how will I tell this story to uh, friends of mine in Nairobi, um, uh, Chris and Abby? Uh, I'm, their God, uh, I'm their son's godfather. I love them dearly. They love me. Every time I'm in certain situations, I'm going, how will I tell this story to people that I have entrusted with my life? I've learned to ask myself, hey, would you trust me as your pastor if I did this, if I said this, if I picked this? Every time I try and rehearse my story out loud, it wakes me up. Okay. So we'll get to a bit of community time. Um, and then I'll come back up and lead us in response. So why don't we get into threes again, as we are fond of doing? Or maybe I am the only one who's fond of it, but... Let's get, let's get into threes, and I just... So that it is never just me talking at you, you get to engage with these uh, conversations. Uh, and the first question I just want you to... to to answer, what did you resonate with most in the conversation we just had today? Two, what did you struggle with from today's talk? What are you finding hard to accept or to, to take in? What doesn't sit right with you? And lastly, what can better, what can help you make better decisions when faced with very tricky, difficult situations, when emotions are just all over the place? What do you think can make you better at making better decisions? So why don't we do that, and then I'll come and lead us in the rest of the time.